I'm Dr. Amalia Gonyas Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us in studio today is Dr. Mahlatsi Khokolo who is the head of dermatology at the Steve Biko Academic Hospital and University of Pretoria. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Amalia. Thank you to your listeners. It's wonderful to have you here in our theme at the moment where we're looking at women in the medical profession. In 2012, you were appointed as head of department for dermatology at the University of Pretoria, Steve Biko Academic Hospital. Can you please share with us some of the work that you do as well as the responsibilities that come with holding this role? Uh, there are four areas, actually, that you focus on as a head of department. Firstly, you, we are linked to the University of Pretoria, so it's a joint appointment. And so we have to teach undergraduate students, medical students, and uh, postgraduate students. So we are training dermatologists to be specialists, in other words. So you're providing the practical elements. The the university gives the theoretical, and you're responsible for showing the students exactly what to do. Yes. So that is the first area. Mm -hmm. And then the second area is research. You must remember that the University of Pretoria is a research-intensive university. It's got that research focus. And and therefore, we're training our postgraduate students to qualify to do dissertations for them to qualify for masters in dermatology. So they do masters in dermatology and uh, after that, which is research-oriented, and after that, we do, they do, they write exams through the College of Medicine of South Africa. They do basically two exams. The one exam is in the form of research. It's a dissertation. The other exam, it's written exams and clinical work. They do that. It's called fellowship in dermatology. They do that through the College of Medicine of South Africa. And the research element is so important because it's really about pursuing new knowledge. It's about looking at innovations where the students are actually going out and developing that content as opposed to just looking at the status quo of where things are, but it's that pursuit of new development. Certainly, certainly. So since I joined the university, I have produced... Uh, five specialists. I joined the university in 2012. I've produced five uh, dermatologist specialists and uh, I've produced two masters, in other words, uh, research-orientated dissertations, uh, qualifications. I've produced two of those, but currently I've got four master students that have just finished their dissertations, which have been submitted for my king. So I could say I have four others upcoming. So nearly ten. Yeah. And yeah, but the the other angle is that um then we do clinical work. We mm-hmm. see patients 
patients are referred from all over, uh, from Bumalanga, from areas in Johannesburg like Tembisa, from Wheatbank, from from some hospitals in Limpopo, you know. So we are a tertiary hospital, so we see patient difficult cases from all over because we are an academic hospital. And I'm sure you must be presented with an incredible diversity. Of course, of course. And uh, we once every quarter we meet as universities with vets and medunta and us and we have an inter-university meeting we share all these interesting cases because seeing patients that are referred from all over actually exposes us to the most serious conditions or you could say interesting conditions in in dermatology and uh, at those meetings we share each university shares three cases at each meeting and that makes it that is very 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 Mm. interesting and i when i was reading up on your profile i was very interested to, to learn that one of your research areas is on zero derma pigmentosa which if you in your terms can please explain to the listeners what that is because I I was fascinated by that condition. Yeah, in simple terms, this is a genetic disease. In other words, one gets the genes from the parents. It's it's an autosomal recessive condition. Um, And it is characterized by inordinate susceptibility to sunburn. So the, 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 the patients will when they get exposed to the sun, they, they, they react abnormally to the sun than one would normally react. And, and therefore, over time, at about the age, they are actually born with normal skin. And at about the age of six months, they, they start developing skin changes, this photosensitivity, sunburn, and... Um, freckles you know they start the skin starts freckling and at about a year to two years they start developing different types of tumors tumors are growths on the skin including angiomas and your skin cancers and um, and actually my study is very interesting because i looked at the genomic and biomarker analysis of this condition, xeroderma pigmentosum, in South Africa. And this is a first. It has never been done. So I'm doing my PhD on this uh, uh, condition to add scientific knowledge to how we can understand the disease better in our country. And particularly when you think of our climate and mm. the extent of the sun that we have, because these people are almost, in, in layman's terms, allergic to the sun. Uh, of course. And it's interesting because I'm also part of the uh, Zerodema Pigmentosum support group. And, and so they have camps once a year. And we as clinicians attend the camps to teach the parents. And since we got involved four years ago, actually the, 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 the conditions of our patients have improved because we have educated the parents about the condition. 
uh, what it entails to protect the children from sunburn. And that has improved their quality of life a lot. Yes. And that's one aspect, I think, which is to a certain extent unique within the academic space and also medical space where you've got these fantastic global connections and networks where we have extensive collaboration on particular diseases or issues where we're trying to investigate and and pursue. So besides the zero derma pigmentation focus, have you got any other projects that are running that that go across and collaborate with different countries in the world? Well, in particular for this uh, research on zero derma pigmentosum, because we do not have facilities to do genetic tests in our country. So I've had to collect specimen. I've had to ask for permission from the Department of Health to ship specimen to France. And then I went to France last year to do the test. So I have a collaboration at the University of Bordeaux, which is in the south of France. And one of my co-supervisors is there, uh, Dr. Cecile Gert. So I did, I went there for a month and we did the tests together. And but besides that, I am a part I'm I'm actually a founder member of the Skin Cancer Foundation in South Africa. We have a screening clinics. We run screen screening clinics once a year. So the first of September of every year is a screening screening day, Skin Cancer Foundation screening day. And on those screening clinics, are they mobile units that go around the country or is it just a a day where people can go into medical institutions, facilities and request skin screening or learn to understand what signs they should be looking for? Yeah, there are specific sites that are identified to to do the, the, the screening. So we are one of the sites because we we are part of Skin Cancer Foundation, but there are specific um, consulting rooms and uh, sites, other sites that have been identified specifically for the purpose. And this is also advertised. Yes. Well, thank you very much for elaborating more on some of the work that you do and also giving the public more knowledge about some of the research components and the importance of doing those uh, reviews on skin for skin cancer detection. Now, our program is all about gender equality, and as such, during the course of our conversation, we'll highlight some important issues on this topic. And I'd like to start by asking your perspectives I'd like to start by asking you about your perspectives concerning women empowerment and gender equality legislation, particularly in relation to being able to close some of those gender gaps, so whether that relates to pay, promotion, or position. Well, I think we, we're still lagging behind, and I have checked statistically the, the, the percentages of women in senior management positions varies between 25 and 29 at, uh, about internationally. And I think we could do better. Um, 
And uh, in my mind, we have to keep going as women. We, we, I think we should not stop. We should not look back. But we have to keep moving forward in whichever way. Yes. And in part of that, I've been starting to think increasingly that it's not just a one-sided view of women pushing and trying to drive their agenda. But we also need to have partnerships with our male counterparts mm-hmm. in being able to walk this journey together, that it's not about women taking away from men, but it's about contributing and changing perhaps our worldview, our views of culture, our views of society in terms of how we frame the correct journey, as you said, for, for moving forwards. Yeah, I agree with that. I think we cannot do it without the men. Remember... Currently, the world favors men. So most of these positions, we are talking about 25 to 29% of women occupying senior management positions. So the rest of the positions are obviously occupied by men. And, and therefore, it means we have to team up with them to be able to, 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 to rope in other women so that we can move forward as women. Mm. So we need them to access the platforms to take in other women. And during your career from when you first enrolled in academics and have now traversed into your working life, how do you see the progression of, of gender? I think it's getting better. It's getting better every day. It's getting better every year. And um, I believe that if each one of us as women can do our best every day and have the right mind to empower other women, I see us going forward and improving the numbers even more. And if I can ask you, what gender challenges did you encounter during your career and how did you overcome them? Uh, Firstly, I'm a rural girl. So, obviously, uh, when a door opens, I become so excited. And therefore, I'm saying to rural and township women out there. You can actually rise. The sky is the limit because we could rise. I could rise from where I was. And so when I was admitted at medical school, obviously I was overexcited. And when I was admitted to become a registrar to specialize in dermatology, I was also so excited. And when I was interviewed and selected for the post of heading dermatology, I was also excited. Of course, it comes with challenges. And the challenge was that when I became a head of department, I had no mentor. I I was in the jungle. I had to find my way. But you know what? When you find, you have to find your way. That's when you get it right. 
because then you surround yourself with a team that will help you move forward. And you ask those people who have been around. So when you run, you want to run a marathon, obviously you go and speak to the athletes who ran the marathon. And, and then you learn as you move forward. And I really liked what you said there about surrounding yourself with the best team because ultimately you can't do things by yourself. Mm. And in leadership, it's optimizing people who are specialized in their different areas, so whether it is in strategy or whether it is in the administration component and bringing the best out in order to, to deliver on the job. One area, you know, as we're in Women's Month now, is that... We tend to hear the same conversations about the importance of advancing women in the workplace. But yet these strategies feel increasingly stale. And as you just said, those numbers internationally are just not shifting, kind of going between 25 to 29 percent. That dial is is not going ahead. And when you look at it in another way, it means that men have 70 to 75 percent of those positions. I think that Women's Day is obviously a very, very important day to celebrate and Women's Month in particular because I, I believe it creates more awareness of the the causes that, that women need to have, um, the causes that are confronting women and the type of achievements that they've made to date. But it's also an opportunity to address challenges and those hidden obstacles to help reach gender parity. In your opinion, what more do you think can be done to break the cycle and give women more than just promises of opportunities for an equal workspace? I think um, we should actually use the platforms that we have, the different platforms, to consciously enhance other women. For instance, I orientate the first years at the University of Pretoria for, for Faculty of Health Sciences. And this is where I see young, fresh women, you know. And when I talk to them, I, I talk to them consciously encouraging them, showing them how qualified I am and consciously telling them how much they can also rise. You know, so I think someone else uh, gets involved in a project of take a, ch a girl child to school. I think if I do my part and in, in training postgraduate students, making sure that I train women consciously as well, you know. So if I do my part and you do your part and somebody else on their platform does their part, it will add up and this will help us take women forward. Absolutely. Then we're all being able to contribute mm. to that development and, and give back. Yes. You mentioned that you were from a rural background, mm. from Limpopo. And I find another contentious issue is that gender equality sometimes touches sensitive points like culture, religion, and tradition. Do you think that it will ever be possible to overcome these points for the sake of women's development? Well, I think 
as humanity, we should be focusing on common ground. What is it that we have that is common as human beings? It is the humanity. So if we can focus on what on, on what is common to all of us, then we will be able to move forward. Because, you know, culture, religion, and all those things could divide us. But if we could focus on the fact that we are all human beings, uh, the fact that we are all women, then I think it will be easy to find common ground and we will be able to move forward. I think that's a really enlightening point of having that commonality as mm. the foundation. Yes. Today, we're talking to Dr. Mahlatsi Kokolo, who is the head of dermatology at the Steve Biko Academic Hospital associated with the University of Pretoria. Hi, my name is Yvonne Chakataka, and I'm UNICEF and Rollback Malaria Goodwill Ambassador. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in the struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, a program against social ills such as racism, socio-economic class division and gender-based violence. Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amalia Balka every week on this day at this time. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective, on frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band, also available on DSTV Channel 802. Today, we're talking to Dr. Mahlati Kokolo, who is the head of dermatology at the Steve Biko Academic Hospital associated with the University of Pretoria. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. In the previous segment of our conversation, Dr. Kokolo spoke about some of the components that are attached to her uh, duties and responsibilities in her role. We also spoke about some of the research components we have delved into issues of gender equality and looking at some of the aspects which will help forge us from a point of commonality, identifying at the level of humanity as opposed to looking at differences. And we also considered the view of everybody who has their own platforms to utilize those platforms in order to give back and help women to achieve. Dr. Kokolo, continuing with our, our theme of, of gender equality, from a practical perspective, one of the most common problems affecting women in South Africa seems to be not as a case of so much legislation or programs that have been structured to assist women, but rather in a broader context of being able to educate our citizens about issues like gender equality in the workplace, in the home front, women's rights. Based on your experience, how do you think women can achieve progress regarding those types of issues that affect them? I think that all those women that are in senior positions should be mentoring other women. It, I think it's the only way we can break into a informing and educating the younger ones about 
their rights, the workplace, and getting better, getting it right, doing it right, you know. So I think it's a journey. It's 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 not a one-day thing. But again, if I do it from where I am seated, you know, sometimes I have to take off my HOD hat and sit with my students and have a woman-to-woman talk. I do that. So I think we should all do that. We should have a platform where we talk, we mentor young women. And again, if I do that, you do that, somebody else does it, it adds up. It makes women a better group, Mm -hmm. you know. And I wonder if as well as the informal setups and and the give back that we don't almost in, have some formal structures where people can go to because the reality is you can't have an open door policy continuously because you've got a job to be doing your HOD or whatever someone else is doing but to have some kind of formal setup established where women can participate where they know if this scenario happens this is what I should do mm. if I want to get to this point this is the way of doing it. These are the challenges that I'm going to experience, and this is how I can overcome them. So maybe there's a, a formal program that we need to consider establishing. Yeah, that's also a good idea. And one of the, I suppose, difficult components that gender equality principles talk about is this challenge of being able to balance the home life with the work front and pursuing career development which in some environments people have got partnership where each partner is responsible for certain elements and or they, they do a blend and they, they work things out. But I know in many other situations, often if a woman wants her career, she still has to contend with looking after the household as being the, the primary caregiver. As a successful woman who's worked hard for let's say, almost three decades to build your, your career and family base, What's your perspective of this, and do you have a magic winning formula which can offer women practical hope to manage it all? I think there's no one magic formula, but uh, it's all about doing your best every day, setting short-term and long-term goals, and focusing on them, and Remember, you have to do it for yourself. It, it has to suit you. For instance, I worked in private practice when I was raising my kids. And because then I could cancel my appointments and go and attend poetry at school or swimming or whatever. And that suited me at the time. But as soon as my kids finished high school and went to varsity, it was only then that I thought of spicing up my career. And that was when I moved to university. The reason being, I thought I could share my knowledge. I could train other specialists, which is why I am where I am today. But somebody else could decide to do it differently. So I am saying 
women should not be pressured. Each one of us should work things out to suit me and not somebody else. We all walk our own journey. Yes. This was my journey. That's really important because I think sometimes people want to emulate other people and see, well, how did you get there? What did you do to achieve that? And there isn't one prescribed route because Mm. the reality is we lead different lives. We are exposed to different elements Mm. and those all combine to to make our, our life journey. Yes. Now, turning more towards a personal perspective, can you tell us about some of the pivotal moments in your life growing up? Well, I I had my mother as my role model. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in, my mother is a very clever woman. And I must say that women, as women, we always make a plan. You know, my mother, uh, when I was in uh, Form 4 at the time, that is grade 11, She took me to the Department of Health. I was still young then. And she took me to the Department of Health. And we met with uh, the then Secretary of Health, a Dr. Machupe Mbachele. And my mother simply said to him, my daughter is very intelligent. She wants to become a doctor and... I need a bursary for her. And I'm talking about an an ordinary nurse. You know, she was just a nurse, an assistant nurse. But she had the wisdom to say, what am I going to do for my daughter? Now, that made my life, you know. And, And when I think about that, it actually helps me to overcome any challenge that she could do this. Because when I look back, I was the first one to, to, to go to varsity at home. And I am thinking that if it wasn't for that, I would not have gone to varsity, you know. So, so as a woman, I do my best every day. I, I give this life my best every day because I believe that my mother gave life her best every day. And fantastically in terms of the way that she set you on the path. Exactly. She set you up, she looked at the bursaries and she said this is what my daughter is going to do and that gave you the focus. Yes. Remember earlier you were talking about short term and long term goals. Mm. She put you on that path. Thank you. And what would you say influenced you when you were growing up and had the biggest impact to make you the person that you are today? Well, besides having had a positive, such a positive mother, my, my grandmother also, who was blind, I stayed with her when I was really young, 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 you know? And, and my grandmother recognized me by footsteps because she was blind and she would praise me tell me how best how how i am the best how i am beautiful how you know it's 
So they say in psychology, the first six years of your life actually built you. And that was when I lived with my grandmother. She saw a perfect little girl, and yet she was blind. And, and I think that built me. When I go through a challenge, I always know that it will get better. It, it always gets better. And I tell this to the young women that I mentor all the time, that remember, when you have a challenge, that a challenge is followed by the success, by the opportunity. And so it always gets better. So in your life, you've had two really strong female role models, both from a nurturing point of view and also on a practical perspective of, of setting you up for your, your career path. Yes, so. Now, lastly, as we close the show today, can you please share with us a few words of inspiration which you'd like to pass on to young women and girls who are listening to us on the continent today? I will say this especially to the rural girl, the township girl, that the sky is the limit. You can rise to whatever destiny that you want. It doesn't matter where you come from. Rise and focus on your goals. Do not focus on the challenges it always gets better. I think that's fantastic advice and it seems as though that is the advice that you have lived by and proven that it works. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate the time that you've taken to share your story and your successes. Thank you so much for your time and thank you to the listeners. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Dr. Mukati Kokoro, who is the head of dermatology at the Steve Biko Academic Hospital associated with the University of Pretoria.